Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Right now. God, we pray that our hearts would be open, God, to receive, God, your word today. God, we pray that we would be in tune, God, with everything that you have for us today. That, God, this would not just be another church service, but, God, this would be a milestone for our lives. This would be a day that we would look back and say, God, you did something in my life that day that changed me forever. And, God, we're believing that right now. Would you just lift your hands to heaven? God, we just surrender our lives to you right now. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come in all power and strength. And that, God, you would meet us right where we're at right now and take us to where you are. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around. Say, man, this is your day. I can feel it. This is your day. This is your day. This is your day. This is your moment. Well, we're excited during the summer. If you could turn me down, I'm going to get excited today. I can just feel that. But in the summertime, what we like to do is we like to take a time out, pretty much a month during the summer, where we go a little bit deeper. We have a a series maybe on prayer, and this year it's the Holy Spirit, where we take us a little bit deeper as we study through the Word of God. And and, and this year we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit, because I really felt it's important that we tell the true story. That the true story comes out, because there's a lot of stories There's a lot of experiences people have labeled as the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you, it's not a capital H. I said it's not a capital H. There's only one Holy Spirit, and that's the person of God, the Godhead, the Father. And we just want to present that. And the verse that we've used to set up all of this is Acts 19, verse 1 and 2. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus where he would later write a book or an epistle to the church at Ephesus that we now have in our Bible, Ephesians, is where that comes from. And finding some disciples, believers, Christians, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And that's where we find ourselves, I think, today, right now. What Holy Spirit? Is there? What is it? Because, again, there's been so much misrepresented in the body of Christ today that people have become more afraid of it. They've pushed against it. They're resisting to it because of what they have heard and heard wrong. And what we're asking every one of you to do is this month, come with a blank page. Come with an open heart to say, God, I've maybe had this experience and it maybe wasn't the best and and I've been a part of this and it maybe wasn't the great. But you know what? I'm coming afresh. I want to learn afresh and anew about the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want us to do, just to open up our hearts. I know I've been doing that as I've been studying and preparing. I've been saying, God, give me something fresh. Show me something fresh. I want it to be new and I want it to be alive. And last week we began by looking at perhaps the reason why we don't 
comprehend it, understand it, grasp it so much, the Holy Spirit, is because of the translation that was used for the word ruach from the Old Testament and pneuma in the New Testament, which we were translated, or the words that we have today is spirit or ghost, used over 800 times throughout the entirety of God's word, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And I don't believe that paints a true picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives. A spirit or a ghost, remember, we would be afraid of something that's not warming, that's not inviting into us. But through ruach, and we see in the word pneuma, the original words, we see that it means a breath, a wind, a refreshing, a new life that God, and that's the nature of the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring refreshing to you. He wants to bring fresh life to you. He wants to give a breath to you like you've never had before. And so today, as we continue looking at the Holy Spirit, I want to discuss Pentecost today. I want to talk about Pentecost and and what that word actually means for your life and the purpose that I believe the word Pentecost has from your life. From the word Pentecost, we get the word Pentecostal. And unfortunately, Pentecostal has been a title that has been used that I think brings many bad definitions with it. When we think about Pentecostal, most unfortunately of the thoughts that we get are not the greatest. Hair too long, hair too short, too much makeup, not enough makeup. And just all these things that man has put to try and label as Pentecostal, which is not really true. And it's not truth. And here's what I've discovered. Are you ready? Listen to me today. It's not that people don't want the Holy Spirit. Because who wouldn't want the power of God? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is, the power of God. So it's not that people don't want the Holy Spirit. It's the way that it's been packaged and it's been presented that has caused people to shy away. So we're going to just unpack it today. And we're going to show you what the word actually means. In fact, Pentecost actually means a day. It's an event. It's a time. And we're going to show you. But in order to discover the truth of Pentecost, we've got to go a little bit further back. And I want to present to you and discuss with you today three feasts from the Jewish calendar. There are more feasts in the Jewish calendar. But from the Word of God, we can see three main feast times. The first is Passover. This would be in the early springtime. And then Pentecost would be just after Passover. And then the last one would be Tabernacles. The Tabernacles would be in the fall of the year, so the spring for the first two, the fall. So there would be a distance between them. And I believe representing great pictures and types today that we need to see that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus wants to show to our lives. When we look at Jesus, can you turn me down please, I'm really loud. When we look at Jesus, many people have still misunderstood why Jesus came. The people of that day were looking for an earthly king to come. They were under oppression, they were under the Roman rule, and they were waiting for a king to come and establish an earthly kingdom. They wanted him to raise up an army. They were ready to fight. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish or to remove or to take away the law. But Jesus stood and said, I have come as fulfillment to these things. And people still struggle. I know Luke and, and some kids that he's talked to at his school, you know, they talk about, oh, you can do this now because we're not under the law anymore. Have you heard that? 
and, and everything is permissible and you can just do whatever because you're not under the law. No, we're not under law, but we're under grace. And what we will understand under grace is more is required under grace than the law. Because the law said if a man commits adultery, the act of adultery he has sinned, where grace says is a man even looks at a woman with lust in his heart. Do you see how grace demands more? But yet grace is the freedom that we can still have through Christ Jesus. So just because Jesus came not to abolish but to fulfill the law definitely doesn't mean that we have any right or reason to think we can live however we want and we can live out of control because that's not what grace is about. Come on, I said that's not what grace is about. Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the laws of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to accomplish their purpose. In other words, what we see in the Old Testament has a purpose, I believe, for your life. It's a type. It's a picture. It's a mirror image of what God has for you. And that's really what we're going to discuss. That's what we're going to look at today. Because as we study through this, we're going to see the pictures of the Old Testament and how they represent Christ and the life that he wants us to live right now. So we're going to look at these three feasts. Is that okay? We're going to have a Bible study today. So if you're taking notes, you need to get your notepad out on version. is all the notes on that Bible app and you can follow along. But I'm going to look at the three feasts today, starting with Passover. Say with me, Passover. Passover. Again, early spring. Exodus 12, 13. Now the blood shall be as a sign for you on the houses where you are. And God says, and when I see the blood, I will... Pass over, that's the name. I will pass over you. That's where the name of the feast comes from. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So backdrop, what has just happened? God's people, the children of Israel, are in bondage. They're in Egyptian bondage. They've been in bondage for almost 450 Years and they're crying out to God. They're in desperation. They cry out to God and God hears them and he sends a deliverer. He sends Moses. Moses is in the backside of the desert. He's minding his own business. A bush bursts out in fire. Nothing new about a fire in a bush, in a dry place. But Moses was drawn to the bush because he realized it wasn't consumed. It kept burning and burning and burning. And when he went towards it, a voice came from the bush, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And God spoke to Moses. And he gave him instruction of how he was to go to Egypt and how he was to be the deliverer. And so what do we see? Moses goes with his brother Aaron and he stands before Pharaoh and he says to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. But it doesn't go too good. I said it doesn't go too good. Because the Bible says God actually hardened the heart of Pharaoh and plagues came. And one after the other, Pharaoh said, take them. And then he relented. But finally, there was the last plague that was known as the angel of death. And God sent an angel that would destroy the firstborn son of every human being and animal that lived in the land of Egypt. But when God did this, he distinguished his people and God passed over them. And what they were instructed to do is what we just read in Exodus. God said, you are to take a lamb, you are to kill that lamb, and you are to take its blood. 
And you are to put it on each side of the door of your house and on the top lentil of your house. And you and your family are to be inside of your house. And when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. I will pass over you. So look at the Passover that you would see in Exodus 12. And you can read that and study it when you get home. But we see three things that happen in the Passover. The lamb was sacrificed at 9 a.m. God instructed them at twilight, 9 a.m. They were to sacrifice the lamb. But God didn't say to them that you are to cook it immediately. God instructed them, here's what you do. You wait till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And it is then at this time that you are to put the lamb in the oven. And here's what God's promise was. That this sacrifice would cover their sins. You see, that's all the blood of a lamb could do. It could only cover. It could not remove. It could just cover. It would cause God to pass over them. Remember I mentioned that Christ came to fulfill the law. He came to use the types and the shadows that we see, the rituals and the feast. And I want to explain the purpose of these today because look at this. Jesus actually died on Passover week. Did you know that? And look what happened as the fulfillment of Christ. As Jesus died on the cross, look what took place. His body was crucified at 9 a.m. He was removed from the cross and placed in a tomb at 3 p.m. And his sacrifice now was not just to cover the sins of mankind, but his sacrifice was to remove the sins of mankind. You see, what the law and what man could only do was that which would cover, but Jesus became the sacrifice. He became the spotless lamb for us, that when he died for us, come on, no more do we carry the guilt and shame of our sins. Because the Bible says He has removed them and placed them as far as the east is from the west. You know something about the east and the west is this. You can go east and never go west. You will never stop. You will just keep going east and east and east. If you go west, you'll never stop. You'll go west and west. But you know what? If you go north, you're going to end and you're going to start going south. Come on, there's a north and there's a south pole. There's a a change there. God didn't say, I've removed your sins as far as the north is from the south because there's an end into it. Jesus said, I've removed your sins and, and you don't have to bear the iniquity of those things anymore. Do you see the picture of the Passover that was fulfilled as Christ became the Passover? We see that 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven. That you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So what does the Passover represent? The Passover represents our salvation. The salvation that Jesus made possible for us. As Moses and the children of Israel are getting ready to Egypt, they did not know what they were representing when they would kill a lamb and they would cook the lamb and they would leave. They did not know what Christ was setting up and what he was doing, that he would become that lamb, that he would become that sacrifice for you and I. 
You see, the Passover is our salvation that you and I can be saved. It's possible for us to be saved. Every one, it's possible. He made it possible by giving us his life. However, what do you know about salvation? Are you ready? Salvation is just the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning of your spiritual journey. It's like the on-ramp to what God has in store for you. Because if salvation was the end, when you got saved, he would take you to heaven immediately. But he hasn't. Why? Because he has a purpose for you to do. But salvation is that free gift. Oh, it's a free gift given to us, but it came at a great price to him. And there's nothing you and I can do to earn it. No work or human effort can ever obtain the forgiveness because the Bible says even our righteous, even our best way of living is like filthy rags. It's not good. It's not obtainable. It's not achievable. And that's what religion has tried to do. Religion tries to earn the right. If you do a certain thing a certain way, then it makes you holy and it makes you honorable before God. No, no, it's not by works. We see that in Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Come on, say with me, gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Look at me. Uh, I earned it. I did it. No, no, you didn't. (laughs) You're incapable of earning it and doing it. But thank God for His grace. So the Passover represents to us God's provision that was given to us. His Son that would be crucified. Number two, Pentecost. Come on, say with me, Pentecost. The word Pentecost is actually two words. Penta. Or pent and costa. Pent means five. And costa means to the tenth power. Therefore, Pentecost means 50. Five to the tenth power, which means 50. So Pentecost is actually a day. It's a moment. And that's what it means. There's nothing crazy about that. It's Pentecost. And it's actually the 50th day after Passover. 50th day after Passover. So in the Jewish observance, as they look at Pentecost, this was a feast that they would use to celebrate the giving of the law that God gave Moses at Mount Sinai. And at the time the law was given to Moses, we see main events. God called Moses and he said, I'm going to give you instruction of how my people will live and what they will do. I will give you the Ten Commandments. It was never God's intent to give us Ten Commandments, but He gave them for what reason? To show us that we were incapable of living the life that God wants us to have. So when the law was given, here's what we see took place that day. All those moments because Moses was gone for over 40 days. And what do we see? That when Moses walked up to Mount Sinai, the Bible says that a cloud descended and there was a noise and there was fire that the children of Israel saw. You can see that in Exodus 24, 15 through 18. Read it later. What do we know? That God wrote His law on tablets of stone. He wrote His Ten Commandments for His people. And what else do we know if we were to read? 3,000 people died that day. Joshua wasn't up with Moses, but he was halfway up the mountain. And he hears a stir, and when Moses comes down, he says, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses said, there's no sound of war, that's a sound of dancing and victory. 
or music. And when Moses comes down, what had the children of Israel done? They had taken their earrings, their jewelry, they had given them to Aaron and said, make us a golden calf because Moses is dead. They thought by what they saw and heard from the mountain that Moses was dead. He hadn't come back. So make us an idol. Make us an altar that we can worship. And he made a golden calf. And we see that that calf was destroyed by Moses. And it was ground down into a powder and the people had to drink it that day. And 3,000 people died. Does that sound familiar? I know you know that story, but does it sound familiar or something else? Let me help you. Remember, the Old Testament is just a mirror into the New Testament. It's given for a purpose for us, a picture for us today. Let's move forward to the New Testament and look what happened in Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they were all in one accord and in one place. And the Spirit of God moved. How did the Spirit of God move? A cloud descended, a wind, a fire came. Then what happened? God did not write His law on tablets of stone any longer, but He wrote it on the hearts of mankind. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 people were saved that day when Peter stood up and said, we're not drunk as you suppose. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. And he opened up the Scriptures and began to present to them and revival broke out and 3,000 souls were added that day. Wow. Look at this scripture, Acts 1, 3-5. To whom also he presented himself. This is Jesus speaking of him after being crucified. After he's suffering by many infallible proofs. In other words, Jesus appeared to many people that there is infallible proof. There is proof that he was alive, that he came back from the dead. And he had been seen by them during 40 days. Speaking of the thing. So after his death, he is now resurrected. And 40 days he spent with people. He kind of jumped through windows and came through walls and just appeared to them. And man, the Bible's pretty cool. You need to read it. And being assembled together with them at one particular time, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. But he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Forty days after his crucifixion, he is seen. And then ten days after he has ascended, they tell us. That was the waiting period when the Holy Spirit came ten days later. Forty days, ten days, Pentecost. The period after his death and resurrection to when his promise, his Holy Spirit, was poured out for every one of us. Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, what you've got to understand is this. Jesus is telling them something. He is telling them the purpose or the reason of Pentecost. You see, he's given his free gift of salvation that we cannot earn it or we cannot achieve it. We have to accept it. We have to repent and ask him for it. 
But now Jesus is presenting the need that we have in our lives, that we need power to do the job that he has called us to do. This is really the works part of our Christian experience, not earning our salvation, because James tells us faith without works is dead. We cannot produce faith with our works, but as a result of our relationship with God, works will happen, will be different, and we'll use that to tell other people. So salvation, again, is that free gift. Now, God wants to give us a power. His Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So we can take that gift, that we can have the power to bring that gift to other people. So are you ready? Pentecost is the power that God gives you to make a difference. Passover is salvation. Pentecost represents the power to make a difference. The last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Are you with me today? Is this okay, everyone with us today? Tabernacles, remember, is in the fall. Passover, Pentecost, 50 days apart in the spring. In the fall, the distance between them, I believe, is very symbolic too, as we will see. The feast or the purpose of the Feast of Tabernacles was to celebrate and remember the wandering of the children of Israel in the desert. The name tabernacle actually means a portable house. And that's where we get the name tabernacles from because they were living in portable houses, moving around the Feast of Tabernacles. And here's the original picture of what took place with the children of Israel in the desert. Are you ready? Three things. They were wandering and living in temporary huts, tents, dwelling places. Then God brought them into their final home. God took them into the promised land, a journey that took them longer than it should have, but because of their disobedience to God, but God was still faithful. I said God was still faithful even through their disobedience. So there was a period of wandering, but now God had taken them into the promised land. And when would they celebrate this time? During the harvest season. Why? Because when they went into the promised land, they celebrated the first harvest that God had provided for them. That's a picture from the Old Testament, and here's the purpose for our lives today. Here's what the tabernacle fulfilled. Are you ready? We are living today on a temporary earth. The Bible says this world is not our home, we're just passing through. I said, we're just passing through. We are pilgrims in a foreign land. But what do we know? That one day we are going to be brought to our final home in heaven. How do we know this? Because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you will be also. And what will happen at this time? What will happen around this time? There's going to be a great harvest of souls that is going to take place. Do you realize that since the date of 2000, the last 17, 18 years, we're now in the 18th year since the year 2000. Do you know that more souls have been saved for the kingdom of God in the last 18 years than the 2000 years previous? We are in the harvest season. Jesus said, open your eyes and look. The fields are white to harvest. But what's the problem? The laborers are few. God, here I am. Here I am. God, I'm not just sitting back on my salvation. Come on, thank God for the Passover. But I need the Pentecost. I need that power to do what God has called me to do. We're living in the end times. And I don't say that again to make you afraid, but to say be prepared. 
Because this is not the time to live unprepared. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. That's another name for this feast. The Feast of Trumpets. The Tabernacles. The Feast of Trumpets. Because there's going to be a trumpet in heaven. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. That's when Christ comes back for his bride. So what do we know about the tabernacles? Here it is. It represents the second coming of Christ. Distant from the other two. Distant from the other two. Because it hasn't happened yet. And the trump of God is going to sound. And I say all that for this reason. I'm bringing it all back, hopefully, right now. It has to start with the cross. I said it has to start. That's where life starts when you know Jesus and, and discovering Jesus. It has to start at the cross. It has to start at the Passover. The perfect lamb that was sacrificed, that paid the penalty that you and I could not pay. The sin debt that we owed. It has to start at the cross. But then there's the assignment that God has given to each and every one of us. The assignment that God has us to do is too big for you on your own. And you need power to be able to do that. To be the witness, to be what God wants you to be. You need the power of God and that's Pentecost. That's His Holy Spirit that you need in your life. Notice this, after your salvation experience, you've already had the cross, but now you need the Holy Spirit. And what's the next part? So we can experience tabernacle or eternity with God. The cross, our assignment... Our eternity, the Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles. Most know the cross. Most are excited about heaven. But too many people are missing the connection. The power. I said the power that God wants us to have while we're still living on this earth. Come on, Pentecost is His Holy Spirit. It's your spiritual journey. It's not something spooky and weird that people have made it out to be. It's a day. It's a moment. It's His power that wants to come into your life. And when the power of Pentecost fell and and there was those from all nations that witnessed this, here's how some of them felt. Acts 2 verse 12. So they were amazed and they were perplexed. They said to one another, what could this mean? I mean, what's going on here? They witnessed the outpouring. They heard Peter preach. They saw and witnessed people speaking in other tongues. And it wasn't just a babble language. It was a heavenly language. But it's also a language I teach and believe is known somewhere here in this earth. And known by men. How do we know that? Because at the first outpouring, people in different languages say, how can these be speaking in our native tongue? They are ignorant and unlearned men, but yet they speak. And what are they doing? They are proclaiming the goodness and the mercy of Christ. They are witnessing Christ to those around. But yet they were still confused. What does this mean? And that's Satan's ploy to keep us confused here. 
Because I believe if He keeps us confused, He keeps us away from the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to possess His power. That's, that's what we've talked about. That's where we're bringing it to today. God wants you to possess His power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is His gift to the world, but His Holy Spirit is His gift to His church. And here's why, just quickly today, I've got like five minutes left. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. That's what He wants me to do. He wants to help me live the right life. Not meaning I'm perfect, because, hey, I'm not perfect. Anyone perfect here? Boom, yeah, right, we'll pray for you right now, because you need Jesus more than we do. But notice again, what does man want to do to try and live righteously? Man wants the law on the outside. Man wants to do what he has power over. Where Jesus didn't come for our righteousness to be on the outside. Jesus came for his righteousness to be on the inside, a freedom inside of us. But let's be honest today, the flesh is winning many times. I said the flesh is winning many times. Paul says, you know, the spirit is is willing, the flesh is weak. And many times in our life, the flesh is winning out in us. And you know why? Because so many times we're putting all the emphasis on doing, doing, being, being. If I can go to church, if I can pay my tithes, if I can read my Bible, that it's lost its meaning. It becomes a ritualistic act to us that we think it's creating a holiness inside of us because we're better than everyone else. Oh, should we read our Bible? Should we pray? Should we come to church? Most definitely not because we have to, but because we want to. I said, because now it's a desire on the inside. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to empower me from the inside out. That my righteousness isn't what I do, but my righteousness is in who I am. And I am in Christ. And in Him I am righteous. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. But in Him I am free. That doesn't give me a law to sin and do what I want. Because if you love someone, you want to live to please them and do everything you can. But listen, I'm not doing it out of obligation. I'm doing it out of love. I'm doing it out of grace. You know what we do when we try to do it out of obligation? We place ourselves in another bondage. We can be set free. Let me use this example. We can be set free from alcohol and drugs. But then we place ourselves in another bondage of religion. That we try to force ourselves. And then if we don't read the Bible at the same time, then we're going to stumble and fall. Where's our faith? Our faith is in the Bible and reading instead of our faith has to be in God. Come on, our faith has to be placed. I love our church, but you can't place your faith in this church. Your faith has to be in Christ and Him crucified. Your faith has to be in Him every day. You've got to look for Him. And you've got to have a heart that's right and open for Him. As great as Crossroads is, as great as programs and and small groups and as great as all those things are, listen, that's not where your deliverance is. There's only one that can deliver you and that's Jesus Christ. And that's why He came to be the deliverer for us once and for all. Because you can't change it from the outside. It has to be a heart thing. And there's only one that can change your heart. That's Jesus Christ. 
But how many times have you wanted to change your friends? And we try to be that change for them and we try to bring them. What happens? They drag us down. Why? Because the change that happened in us wasn't someone else. It was Christ. But now we think we can be the change in other people. No, you can't. Don't allow the enemy to tempt you or to sway you. Oh, I've got to do this for them because then they'll get saved. No, you've got to pray that God will change their heart like he changed your heart. Man, I'm ready to preach right now. I said, I'm ready to preach. Come on, give God a praise break in the house. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. And here's why it's important, because Romans 8 verse 8 tells us this. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. Again, it's not now because I have to, it's because I want to. What a massive difference. John 16, 13, however, he, the spirit of truth, he will come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of the things to come. The Holy Spirit wants to be that inner guide that leads you and guides your life, that empowers you to live righteous, that when you go to do those wrong things, there will be a tug inside of you, say, you don't belong here. That's not your identity any longer. You've been bought with a price and you're better than that. You're better than that. You don't belong there. In Isaiah, I haven't got this scripture, but in the book of Isaiah, he says this, you will hear a voice behind you in your ear that will say to you, go to the left or go to the right. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead your life so you can live a righteous, pleasing life to God. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. Man, I love that. Uh, Come on, come on. God wants us. God created you to be supernatural. I just want you to know that the world wants to make us natural. So natural means I can't solve my problems, but supernatural means I am greater than my problems. Come on, don't look at the problems. I can look beyond them. Acts 10, 38. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed By the devil, for God was with him. I love that. I said, I love that. But you better love this. Not more, but you better love this just as much. Are you ready? John 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say unto you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than he will do because I go to my Father. Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to live a supernatural life. A life beyond where you're at right now. (laughs) Greater works, he says, than these shall you do. And it wasn't meaning greater than raising the dead. It wasn't meaning greater than healing those things. But what Jesus was saying is a greater multiplication. Because Jesus was here on this earth. He was healing people. But come on, we can take the gospel to everyone. And we can see healings in our work, in our schools, in our communities. We can bring healing. And that's the greater works, the multiplication of works. That every one of us are now capable to do. But you know what I like to say? God will give the super if you give the natural. God will put the super to your natural. You've you, you got to get out of bed and come to church. You've you got to read your word. You've got to do the natural things too. And not because I'm earning my salvation, but it works from my faith. 
you do your natural and God will do the super. Have you ever been there and you didn't know what to say and, and, and you just went into that situation anyway and, and you're like, man, what do I say? And you begin to open your mouth and all of a sudden, my God, where did that come from? And then there's times when you're so timid and you're afraid and a boldness comes over you and you say, hold on a second, shut your mouth. Let me tell you some truth right now. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? That's the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that wants to help you in the assignment. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for eternity. But the last time I checked, I'm still living here on this earth. I haven't made it yet. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we're not in heaven yet. We need His Holy Spirit to, to help us get there. <laughs> Listen to what Paul confessed. Man, I'm out of time. I'm in the red. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, Barbara. Come on, you better stop because if you keep, um, you know how it is when you keep saying to the chef, man, mm, doing good. He's, he's going to cook it up more. So if, you, if you're going to talk to me, we're going to cook it, baby, in the house today. Who's ready to eat some of the word today? Precious Jesus. First Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And my speech, Paul writes, and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. In other words, what Paul was saying to them is it's not what I say. It's not the word, it's not the preaching. Thank God for this church, but it's not just the preaching. Thank God for the preaching that goes out from this word. And I'm not just speaking about me, I'm speaking about other pastors and leaders in this church because we don't preach fluff and stuff, we give you the word of God. But it's not that, it's not the human wisdom, it's not that we would be amazed, but it's the demonstration of the spirit and the power that we need. Why? Because our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but our Faith is in the power of God. It's not just about having a great church, and I think we've got one. It's not just about great praise and worship, and I think we've got some of the best. It's not about preaching. It's not about e-kids, and we've got a great club. It's not about outreach. It's not about the buses. It's not about our facilities. As great as all those things are, you know what it's about? His power. His power has to be present. Because if not, we're just running a country club, and no one changes. Every week we give God the opportunity to move in your life and to change you. So you can leave here today with a confidence saying, you know what, God wants to use me. And that's my last point today. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. The band, you can come back. You better come back or I'm never going to shut up. What is our mission? Our mission is to reach the world for Christ. Jesus left the 99 that were saved to seek out the one. What you've got to realize is this. We, the church, exist for the world. For too long we've said we, the church, exist for us, the church. But we, the church, exist to touch the world. When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you brought someone to church? Remember, you do what you can do and then you trust us to be able to do what you can't do. Get them in the house. Because that's our mission. Our mission is to touch the world around us, to reach those. And it starts, I believe, with our family. Remember the circles we talked about? And then it goes out for those. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, it says, Because our gospel came to you not with simple words, not simply with words, sorry, but also with power, the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And Paul writes these words. He says, You know how we lived among you for your sake. What a testimony right there. That you can write to people and say, you know how I act. 
you know how I live my life. Why? Because they will live in the example of Christ. That's what our lives need to be every day. We're not just a Christian on a Sunday. Uh, this is just where we come to sharpen our swords. I said, because there's a battle out there. And this is just where we're sharpening our swords because we're going out and we're going to win people. We're going to touch people for Christ. Paul said, it's the way that we live among you. Christy said it's so great today. We can have the smallest of decay, but it can cause the greatest effect in our lives. And it's not about just giving a show and an image. It's about giving our lives. Because as a witness, our responsibility is to point the way. That's what a witness does. And we've got to live on a mission, on a purpose. So you ready? Pentecost is not something weird and crazy. It's not what man made, man has made it to be. Pentecost represents a day. Pentecost represented a purpose that God had and a day to empower your life for service, to equip you. Thank God for the cross and our salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, God, for eternity. And one day I'm in heaven. But remember, what about right now? I'm still living on this earth. I need to be the best that I can be. And as a preacher, I stand up and apologize on behalf of others who have packaged it the wrong way. That we have caused people to lose sight of the purpose and the life of Pentecost and what it wants to have for your life today. I love this quote by Pastor Chris Hodges. Look at this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not make me better than you. How many times do we hear that? We think we're a, a five-star Christian because we're filled with... A, that's not what the Holy Spirit came to do. But the Holy Spirit came to make me better than me. Come on, not to be better than you. I need to be better than me. I need to be better than what I was yesterday. I, I need to be better what I'm going to be tomorrow. I, I need the Holy Spirit to make me a better person each and every day. And if that's your heart and if that's your desire, come on all over this place. I just want us to begin to stand right now. Because that's what we need to have. We need a power that reaches deeper and further than me. We need a power that can change our lives. We need His Holy Spirit inside of us. And I pray as we're opening up our hearts, that we would open up. Man, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts next week. And the week after that, we're going to be talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we're going to be praying and we're going to be believing for people. But what we're going to do right now is we just want you to begin to open up your life to God. Come on, all over this place, just begin to surrender. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands right now. Come on, just begin to say, God, I open up to you. I want that.